Welcome to the TuckCast with a splash of bourbon presented by Tuckasegee Fly Shopping Guide Service, located at 3 Depot Street, Bryson City, and 530 West Main Street, Silva, North Carolina. Tuckasegee Fly Shopping Guide Service is your number one stop prior and after your epic fly fishing adventure in Western North Carolina. Tuckasegee Fly Shopping Guide Service proudly carries industry-leading brands such as Sims, Orvis, Corkers, Sage, Rio, Scientific Anglers, Hatch, Nautilus, Lampson, Fish Pond, Scott Fly Rods, Echo, Umpqua, Hairline, Nature Spirit, Peak, Norvice, plus a large selection of flies and streamers. Check out www.tuckflyshop.com for streamflow information. Book a guided trip or even shop for your favorite Tuckasegee Fly Shop gear. Follow the crew on Facebook at Tuckasegee Fly Shop, Instagram at Tuck Fly Shop, and on YouTube at Tuckasegee Fly Shop. Here in our Silva Studios today, we have Coach Del Diesel Collins, Bobby the Bearded Wonder Bennett, and I'm your host, Shannon, Big Mess Messer. Let's jump in to today's episode. All right, we are back here in Silva, North Carolina for another excellent episode. want to thank you folks for joining us here today. Filling in for Coach Del Diesel Collins, we have the Georgia Drifter making a cameo appearance. Uh, he's back, back up here visiting with us once again and enjoying this lovely winter weather that we're having this week. Steve, welcome back to the DuckCast. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, happy Groundhog Day. That's right. Did he see a shadow? I didn't look. No shadow? Not here. Okay. Uh, they they said that he did, but I don't know oh, how they can check it like at six in the morning. So. Yeah, he wouldn't have seen it at my house. <laughs> <laughs> right, amen to that for sure. A little little blustery cold this yeah, morning. I know, here. man. They said the wheel, wind chill was like five below or something. There like you that. go. Yeah, it was cold. Could have been. Yeah. Uh, last Monday though, we had the thunderstorms come through here. That's right. And then Tuesday was what about seventy? Yeah, it was. Was it? It was really. It was warm. warm. It was real warm. Were and you here? When those yeah. storms rolled through, yeah, those things were yeah. Because I remember I was I was on the deck that afternoon in a t shirt. Yeah, and it then, was uh, it was some good lightning that night. So it was. Anywho, absolutely. So um, want to thank everyone who has been supporting the shop, whether it's the the Tuck Cast with a splash of bourbon that's been tremendous. But a shout out to our YouTube subscribers. We have passed the five hundred subscribership mark. May not sound a lot to uh, to some of you folks out there, from but from where we was this time last year to where we are now, tremendous jump. If you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, be sure to go over and give it a subscription if you can. With that, you're going to get some great information such as product reviews, fly time videos, some other uh, videos out there. With uh, We had another one go up yesterday about uh, fishing out of Montana. Nice little five-minute video per se. And then, of course, also you're driving in your car, but you want to see the things that we're doing on the podcast. You can actually watch those as well. So just a great place to get some information. Uh, and we want you folks, if you can, go give us a subscription on that. We greatly appreciate that. So thank you. And also, we've got some new equipment as we continue to do this and grow 
We've updated some uh, to some really nice mics here. I've been playing with the settings, so please bear with me it's on like this. like Christmas. It was like Christmas for sure. These uh, new mic arm stands and these new Rode uh, pod mics are fantastic. On our end, it sounds great. Hopefully on your end, it will sound even better. And that's what we're shooting for is the quality for you folks out there. So as we are trying to make this thing as good as we can, just, just being fly people. We're we're doing the, doing the best That's we right. can. So, absolutely. Well, today's episode, we're going to start kicking off a series about fishing the different North Carolina wildlife regulations, and this really came about after we did the episode on fishing the fly fishing trail and the difficulties of the fly fishing trail, and we had some really good questions that came to us via email. And if you do have questions, feel free to email them to us at info at tuckflyshop.com or give us a call at 1-828-488-3333. So what we are going to do this week is we're going to dive into fishing some of the delayed harvest waters. Now, between us in here and, you know, we have covered several of the delayed harvest waters out this neck of the woods per se. And we're going to hit that, and we're going to throw a reminder out there to you is when we do hit March and when hatchery supported is closed, delayed harvest is still open. So I want you to understand that you can fish delayed harvest in March. So we'll go ahead and get that in once. I'm sure we'll cover that again a little bit later just to give you that little reminder. Also, we're going to give you a guide tip of the week and stick around for a fishing report at the end so you will be better prepared to, when you come up and fish, and the fishing has been really good. So definitely stick around for that also. I feel uh, I feel like for that hatchery-supported thing, we just need to make a recording so when people call, we just play it on the phone for them. <laughs> like if you're calling for hatchery-supported, if it's closed oh, yeah. or if DH is open, yes. yeah. press 3. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and it goes to a recording that right. tells them everything. Absolutely. It, it is, in, in their defense, it can be confusing. It's because, very confusing because, the way because, it's worded. Because delayed harvest is hatchery supported however yeah. it's just a unique regulation that it's obviously it's open from october 1 through the first friday in june yeah most it's, importantly and let me throw another little tidbit out there that makes it even more confusing in the month of march when you launch your boat or raft at locust creek you yes got, you got about a quarter of a mile there where you just need to leave your rod in the boat and float on down until you get to the bridge the 107 bridge that's right uh, yeah because technically that's hatchery supported exactly, above it exactly very, very true. Good point there. I hadn't even I'd forgotten about that, Steve, mm-hmm. honestly, there. So that's a very, very good point from a person who actually floats that when he comes up here as well. So it's good good to know that. Yeah. So y'all want to dive into this? Yeah, let's dive into it there. So um delayed harvest. I'm gonna I'm gonna pop the sign up here on the screen for y'all though everybody out there that's watching on YouTube. Excuse me for a second. Um so what is delayed harvest? And a lot of you listening are already going to know this, but this is for the, the new folks that started fishing, especially this past year. So from October 1st to the following first Saturday in June, only single hook artificial lures, no trout may be possessed. All other times are hatchery supported. Regulations do apply. So that is basically saying that between June, the I guess it'd be the following, the first Saturday in June. Correct. All the way to September 30th, it will be hatchery supported. Correct. Any other time during the year, it is 
delayed harvest. Hence the reason in March it is open for fishing. Now, only anglers under the age of 16 between 6 a.m. and 12 p.m. on the first Saturday in June are allowed to fish. You are not allowed to fish if you're over 16. And they do check. This is one of their biggest ticketed days of the year. So make sure that on the first Saturday in June, you know those regs. So that's kind of what it's uh, it's it totally entails. And I think, you know, I should have done this before I, I, uh, I popped this up to on the screen. This is the, the stocking schedule for uh, 2021. I want to say there's like 30. Is there 30? Four DHs or something like that. I haven't haven't counted them. There's quite a few. There is. Mm. Um, so maybe that's too many. I feel like that's too many. Maybe it's 34 counties have DHs or something like that that run into them or something. I can't remember. Anyways, they're all right there. They're listed by county and the waters that are actually in them. So um, we'll go through this later when we get closer to stockings, but they will be stocking in March, April, and May, and then starting back up again in October, November. Um, is, is the plan. So everybody that's on YouTube, right? There's the schedule for this year. Go check it out. Um, y'all can be out there with Shannon and Steve as they follow the stocking truck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did did you want to mention why there's a DH? What, why that concept came about? I I always thought that was, I'm going to let, I'm going to let you tell it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you my version and tell me if it's right or wrong. Uh, it's my understanding that it, uh, there are waters in North Carolina that are marginal for trout. So the uh, fish and wildlife folks stock those streams during the colder months when the, the trout can thrive and survive and get them out of the hatchery. So uh, that's that's one of the reasons for the catch and release. You've got so many months there where you're you're entertained with good fishing during the winter, during the winter months when typically a lot of people don't fish. And um, And this may be a byproduct of DH, I'm not sure. But the state doesn't have to pay for fish feed for all those fish over the winter, you know. And they true. They free up those those rearing uh, ponds or runs for fingerlings for the next season. So mm-hmm. that's the version I've heard. I yeah. don't know how accurate that is. But typically, DH waters are marginal trout water. You do have trout that will survive through the summer, depending on rain, rain and air temperature and that kind of generation flows. But uh, that's my understanding of why there's a DH. I think that's how it was, was first intended, and it's expanded so greatly now that there's a lot of waters that they stock that they don't need to. Well, now, that makes sense. Now, yeah. you wouldn't get the size fish that you get from mm-hmm. a DH. Some of those waters might be, you know, the fish size might be smaller. But um, I think some of the key points of DH is also that it's extremely accessible, um, not only to uh, fly fishermen, but regular fishermen, you know, because you can fish DH with a, a regular rod and a single hook, Um no matter what type of, of lure you want to use, as long as it's single hook and artificial, you're golden. And it's also handicap accessible. There, a lot of them you'll see, like there's handicap yeah. places where people can come in and fish. So, um, you know, that's, that's one of the products of it too. So mm-hmm. all of these are really easy to get to. A lot of them are roadside yeah. or whatnot. So can we circle back around to yeah. the, um, to the single hook artificial lure, the state of North Carolina defines a, that as a lure that does not attract fish by the scent, by the sense of taste or smell. So you could have uh, buying a jar of the little salmon eggs doesn't count, or power baits, and that that does not count. That would be illegal. Uh, but I've seen spinning rods, single hook spinners, single hook uh, rooster tails, 
single hook crankbaits, rapalas, things like that. As long as yeah. it meets the single hook and you are practicing catch and release, you are legal as long as you have your fishing license, of course. That's correct. Obey by the laws. Regardless if the fish does not survive you removing the hook or for whatever reason, you still have got to release that fish back to the water. That doesn't mean it makes it to your stringer or cooler in the back of your car trunk um, there. So that is how it's actually outlined in the NC Wildlife Regulations Digest that way, and yeah. it, you can look at it online. And Because uh, some people have asked, hey, can I – Can I?" they think like that little – not like dough – but it's scented that you put on it, that would not, that would be a violation of that. So just want to be clear on that and not try to mislead anybody on that. That's correct. Yep. Super. One other thing to mention about it too, that Steve touched on is where you have a DH and a hatchery supported side by side or not side by side, but touching, um, you know, there's usually a bridge or something that designates that boundary. You're allowed to keep fish in a hatchery supported. You're not in a DH when it's under DH regulation. The way that it reads, and the wildlife officers told me this, if you possess fish on a DH, they can write you a ticket. So if you catch them in the hatchery and walk under the bridge into the DH, you can be ticketed for possessing caught fish. So be real careful with that. If you are doing something like that, make sure you put them in your cooler and leave your car outside of the DH. And then you can go down and have fun on the DH and you know catch 50 fish and throw them all back in the river for somebody mm-hmm. else to come and enjoy. So there, that's where some of these regulations can be confusing if you don't really pay attention to the writing just like the scented bait or the the uh, possession thing so yeah the uh, to expound on the single hook artificial only uh droppers are allowed correct yes yes uh one thing that that i don't think is allowed and i've interpreted it as not being allowed <clears throat> is an articulated streamer with a stinger hook um it's a gray area yeah yeah so because I've asked, I've actually asked a, a wildlife officer that exact question, and he said, "Well, technically, he, I had to show him one." He said, "Show me what you're talking about," because he wanted to make sure. So I showed yeah. him because they were in the shop, and he said, "Technically, being that it's connected by a wire or monofilament or braid, whatever you," he said, "Technically, it's another piece of line." Here, Shannon's holding one up between two hooks. There is no rule on how far those hooks have so, to be apart. It's equivalent to a hopper dropper or dry dropper. Yes, because there's now if they if if it was written and it's not, but if it was written that they have to be twelve inches apart or eighteen inches apart or something gotcha. like that. So the, then the, they could enforce something. The single hook stipulation I think is uh for trebles. Treble hooks. That's correct. Which and I have a lot of people ask me and I sure they I'm sure they ask you, where can I find single hook rooster tails? Yeah. And I usually just tell them to get a pair of wire cutters and cut off, snip we off. Do. We, we carry them, um, you know, depending on availability. Last year they were a little tough to get. Yeah. Um, but we we usually bring some in. Um, but there's also some great ones. Like the Sculptzilla is a great little, like, rooster tail. You got one of those? Oh, let me get that camera and you can see that. That's a Sculptzilla. That's got a single hook in the back. And, uh, you know, it's almost it's similar to rooster tail other than it doesn't have the little blade on it, you know, in a way. And it's all natural material rather than plastic and uh, whatever else a rooster to metal, I guess. Yeah. One of the thing you can do to these as well is that you can take your side cutters and you can also cut that hook uh, also. And that's what a lot of folks will do instead of fishing two hooks. They want to fish a single hook articulation. They'll just cut it themselves with a pair of side cutters. It's something you can do when you tie the fly itself or you can do before you fish the fly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
So is that everything pretty much in regulation y'all can think of? I believe we covered it. Yeah. There. And those are the common questions we yeah, get. Yeah, that's a lot of the stuff we hear in the shop and it's like I said it's uh it's very confusing some of yeah. it, you know, you just kind of have to work with it. Yeah, did you want to talk about the boundaries? I know that it's kind of confusing down on the lower end of the Yeah, so that's where we're, we're going to jump into the I think what we'll do is this the DH there's so many. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to do our area and then we next week or week after whenever we don't have interviews or something scheduled we'll jump back in and go over some more areas that are kind of outside of our like maybe the Brevard and north of Asheville type stuff so for here um let's start with the tuck why not there's there's two dh designations on the tuck one that runs through Webster and Dillsboro the one that Steve was mentioning about the 107 bridge in Locust Creek and then we've got the one down in Bryson City that runs from the 19 bridge all the way down to Slope Street so those are both, you know, separate. They're probably, I don't know, what do y'all think? 15, 20 miles apart, roughly, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. Um, both are weightable at times, depending on dam flows, and both are floatable um, at times. Bryson City is just about floatable all the time, mm-hmm. unless we have like a really, really severe drought or something, which has only happened once that I've ever seen. So um, y'all want to expound on any of those? I think what uh – is important that Steve brought up earlier, and we're coming up onto that window here in a couple of weeks, is the fact that hatchery support will close. And if you do launch your boat up there at the Locust Creek put-in, if you do start casting, you're actually in violation. That that would be a ticketable offense, uh, and someone may call on you. Did you get ticketed you, for that? No, I didn't. But, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, keep that in mind. You, you, may, have, you may be practice casting, then uh, someone may call wildlife yeah. on you so just be conscious of that so the, the important thing is on that particular stretch which is off old Cullowee road locust creek make sure you make it to the 107 bridge which is quite obvious where mm-hmm. you're at and from that point down to where they remove the dam in dillsboro we call that the old lake bed area um, you're going to the takeout is prior to that anyway the cj harris boat takeout is prior to that and then down in Bryson City, it's it's blanketed on both sides once again, like it is up here. The Highway 19 Bridge, which is at Grumpy Bear Campground, mm-hmm. Darnell yeah. Farms, yeah, and Darnell Farms, Farms is yeah. your landmarks down to Slope Street Bridge, which is where the Ford store is, which is where Mountain Ford is. Those are two landmarks. However, most people that float are out before that island area in most cases. The island area in Bryson City is unique. There is, uh, right down below that, there is that handicap platform that if you're wanting to fish the tuck in your wheelchair, there's a place for you to do that. And they do stock right there in that general area as well. Yeah. So you you float it. Yeah. Which one do you float the most? I mean, you... This one up here. Yeah. Uh, No particular reason other than it's just convenient. Yeah, it's right by your house. Uh, you You were talking about fishing before you get to the 107 bridge in March. Typically what happens to me, I'll have a couple of guys in the boat and I'm behind, I'm on the oars and I'm trying to navigate through the rapids. They're rigging up and invariably one of them's going to get rigged up before the other. Yeah. And before I know it, they're stripping streamers and I'm like, Oh, time out, time out. It's, <laughs> it's March, you know, let's, let's go over the rules. Yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. 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 But people visiting, they, that doesn't even occur to them. Yeah. You know? So, uh, understandably so. Yeah, they just think, we're on the river. Let's go. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, and, and another thing people might be interested in is uh, boat access. Where do you put put in? Where do you take out, yeah. typically? Those kind of things. 
Yeah. So we got the Locust Creeks to put in up here, and then the the takeout is that C.J. Harris. C.J. Harris. Yeah. Like. There's there's a couple of what I'd call unimproved ramps along the way. But, yeah. Uh, Best thing to do is just do that eight-hour float. Uh, and I say eight hours. You can do it without fishing. You can do it in three hours. But, yeah. you know, an eight-hour day, you're stopping for lunch at Webster Bridge at the picnic table. and But uh, so it makes for a good day float. And then down on the lower DH, um, uh, I, I've been putting in right below Grumpy Bear Campground on, on River Road. Yeah. And uh, then I'll take the truck and trailer down to Deep Creek and then shuttle back up. Yeah. But uh, but River Road, I don't know if you guys have been down it recently, but it's in bad shape. Yeah, every time we get a big rain and stuff, it, yeah. it kind of gets messed up, and they yeah, it's not only does it go underwater now, but it's uh, there's some big, pretty deep ruts and yeah, and, uh, yeah. You also have down there, you've got the Ela put in, which a lot of people don't use, and it's not it's not like a backup to the water; it's that wooden slide mm-hmm. cross ties. Um, or yeah, so you've got that. That's gosh, that's probably three or four miles. Maybe not that far up upstream from the DH, but there's tri- there's fat fish, trout, and bass in that section. So mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's something to fish as you float down. It's just not going to be numbers like you'll get in that DH section. And then if you've got four wheel drive, and I would recommend having lockers, you can go all the way down to the train trestle, which is below the DH in Bryson City, um, somewhat close to where the Ingalls Grocery Store is. If the listeners know where that's at, um, but it is super steep. So you, if you back down it you better be able to get out or you have to drag your boat up the ramp, whichever way works better for, mm. for you. But, um, don't tear it up any more than it is by spinning your tires. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's already rough as it is. And it's hard to get folks to, to fix it for us. So, yeah, there's enough fish in there between Darnell farms and down to deep Creek that, yeah, you know, yeah. unless you're just really wanting to explore new water, that yeah. river's so wide down there, you know, you yeah. work your way back and forth and make a day of it. Yeah, so, but yeah, they're both great. You know, um, the the section up here in Webster has all three species: rainbows, browns, brooks. The Bryson City stretch is is uh, browns and rainbows. They do not stock brooks down there because they run up into the national park too too uh, uncontrollably, <laughs> which is fun. It makes it makes Deep Creek a a DH. <laughs> <laughs> when you're catching 14 inch yeah. brook trout on Indian Creek, so, yeah. something ain't right. So, um, <laughs> you know, you've got that, that kind of thing, but, uh, that's what you can expect to catch is, uh, the trifecta up here by Webster Dillsborough and the other two species down there. So, um, Tuck, is there anything else to say about it other than it's an awesome river? Cause you don't have to worry about rhododendron. Yeah. Just, uh, as always, as we'd say, just be respectful of people's property out there. If it's posted, please don't go across it. Uh, always leave it better than you find it. And uh, that kind of leads us to a big thank you to a lot of volunteers that came out this past weekend and did a cleanup on a very cold day out along from our local Trout Unlimited chapter, as well as some other local local folks uh, that's not involved with TU, but come out and doing that. So yeah. just trying to do some due diligence out there and good stewardship. And as we know, fly, fly fishermen, uh, you know, they do that anyway. So just be cautious of that. Um and uh, also know that South River Road and North River Road is is a two-lane paved road, and cars don't always obey by the speed limit posted. And just be cautious of that and just be on your toes uh, and just, you know, be safe when you're out there fishing. Just have fun. It's a great yeah. place to fish for sure. Yeah, so the next on the list, probably this was actually the first DH in the state. I think it was 1992, I think, is when they started the program is the, what we call, it's the Nantahala, but it's the upper Nantahala. So it's above the power substation where they release water into the rafting section. 
Um, it's roughly, I don't know, maybe about four and a half, five miles, I think, or so. Right along the road. It's beautiful. You're kind of in a, a gorge, a canyon, whatever you want to call it. A um, lot of, you know, rapids and cascades and all that fun stuff. So it's it's a lot of pocket water, but there are some big, deep pools too. So you got a little bit of everything there. Um, you're going to have three species there also, the, the browns, rainbows, and brooks. Now, this section, unlike the tuck, is going to hold a lot of wild fish too. Um, so there's wild browns and wild rainbows. You're not going to find any wild brooks, I don't believe, unless something crazy happens and something gets washed down. But, man, it's a beautiful set. It might be like one of the prettiest accessible areas in the state that's that you don't have to hike into mm-hmm. to see a river. Um, so what are y'all's favorite things down there? What do y'all like about the, the upper other than the access? Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a variety of water. You got pocket water and then go around the bend. You got a deep pool that's chest deep, you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, it, I think the selling point on that, number one is there's a lot of fish in the stream. So mm-hmm. your chances of being successful are good. But like you said, the accessibility, uh, you know, you can fish for a few hours and turn around, walk 20 feet and eat, Get chi- back in your car. eat chicken on your tailgate, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great stream. It's uh it's, it's a stream that really can cater to a lot of different type of fly fishing techniques for someone who wants to dabble in the, quite a different of those out there in one adventure. Um, the access is really good. They've done a good job of paving those pull-offs up through there. And once again, there is a handicapped accessible area on up the road on the left-hand side. Uh, there and you got the wish hole area down toward the lower section of it also the quality of fish in in my opinion is really good yeah you can get uh, as bobby mentioned some really nice wild fish in there not only during the delayed harvest season but also the other times of the year yeah it's fishable through the summer it is and it is pretty now, it is sheltered in there. It's not going to get a lot of sun on it in the wintertime, so it's going to be colder for sure. Your bug life is outstanding. A lot of bugs over there, probably some of the best around that you're going to find anywhere. The way it's set up or way Mother Nature set it up, you're going to have some areas that's going to be easier to wait than others. You're going to have some big boulders in some areas. It's going to create some really deep pools, and you want to maybe strip that uh, that woolly booger through there, as Andy Paddock likes to do, or or if you want to go up a little bit and work a flat, and you can kind of work your way back and forth across and really work that. And on a good day, you can knock out, you know knock out several fish going up through there, and you can. Oh, it's not surprising to get something in the mid to upper teens in, the, in a yeah. lot of cases out there with someone with some experience. And to throw a little tidbit, at one point in time, and it still may be, that was considered one of the top 100 trout streams by Trout Unlimited. It was on their yeah. list. So it, it, and it, I'm sure it probably still is. But if you wanted to hit something like that, it, there you go. Yeah. I love it. I think it's an awesome little stream. I mean, it's uh, – it's, it, you could actually probably go and catch, especially on a stocking weekend, you know, double-digit fish, num- numbers, not necessarily size, but double digits in fish, and just about not even get your feet wet if you wanted to. So if you have trouble wading or anything like that, there's spots that you can get on and off uh, the bank for fairly easy. In some areas, there's even concrete steps. They put those in for the whitewater people when they do the recreational releases, but 
you know, take advantage of those areas. So it's, it's from an accessibility standpoint. Um, I think that's, that's the biggest key to that river is it's super simple to get in out of. Now the negative to this is it gets, it gets hammered. I mean, it, uh, man, on the first two weeks after a stocking, it's busy. You know, you're going to drive and look and go, man, there's somebody there. Oh, there's nobody here. And you pull over and to get out and get in your, and then you look down there and there's somebody there, you know? So it's a, uh, that that's maybe the one downside to it is it's so well known, um, on the trip up from Atlanta. It's one that they can get to fairly quickly, you know? So it does get a little bit of the metropolitan pressure in that aspect. Yeah. Go on a weekday when it's raining. Yes. If you can get out there off, you know, some of the off peak days and stuff like that, you'll, uh, you'll definitely have a little better time, but don't focus just on the parking areas. There's plenty of fish between them. So that's the thing is if, if you're capable of getting in the river, just stay in it and work your way up through it. You'll, you'll pick up a lot of fish if you're, if you're just patient with it. Just so. out of curiosity, what's the drive time from the Bryson shop? Yeah, no, that's a good one. Uh, Bryson, you're probably looking at about 30 minutes. And the Damn. reason I ask is uh, your food options are limited on the Nantahala. Yeah. So you probably have to go back to Bryson. And, yeah, the closest thing would be the River's Inn restaurant there at um, NOC. the NOC. And that's, you know, depending on time of year, what their hours are that they're mm-hmm. running, you know. So you kind of have to take that into account. But, yeah, definitely take you a drink, pack crackers, first aid kit. You're not, like, in the middle of nowhere, but, you know, you're out away from – you're stuff. in the middle of nowhere yeah. without being yeah. there. Most yeah, likely absolutely. no cell service. Yeah, no cell service once you get past the yes. uh, the little parking area there for the rafts where they put in the cell service pretty much goes away. Correct. Beautiful yeah. area though. Beautiful. It area. is. It's a great great stream. Absolutely. Owe it to yourselves. So the next one would be Big Snowbird. You both fish. Mm-hmm. I know Shannon has. You fish Big Snowbird. I have not. Never You've had, never been to Big never, Snowbird? No, no. Really? I've been by it dozens of times yeah. going to Fontana and the North Shore. Yeah. Never yeah. fished it. It's out there. Yeah. it's uh, <laughs> If you ask me how far it is from the Bryson shop, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I just know like and, – and I can't even give directions. If somebody came in the shop and said, how do I get there? I'd be like, man, I can drop you a pin. But I have to like see all the turns. Yeah, you know. So it's uh, it's just one of those things. It's it's a little bit to get out there. It's beautiful. It's I'd say it's similar to the Nanahala in size, but it's harder to wade. It's a lot more bouldery, and it's and, flatter. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be losing elevation as parts of the upper Nantahala is. Yeah, is it a DH? It is a DH. Okay, there is a D. You have a hatchery supported section. Then you have a delayed harvest section, which basically goes up toward where the road ends. Mm -hmm. And then from that point up, you have a wild section, which we'll cover at a later date, up through there. It's very – it's beautiful. It It is. is, It's amazing. There's campsites along it. Yes. And the closest town is what, Robbinsville? Robbinsville. Robbinsville. Okay. Robbinsville will be the closest town. And you're still a ways from Robbinsville. Mm -hmm. Once you're out there, you're you're not – I'd say it's 20 to maybe – yeah, twenty uh, to thirty minutes from Robinsville. Yeah. It's it's not a quick ten minute drive to your car to to McDonald's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, but it's beautiful. Um, you know, that's a spot where you can get in the river and just kind of get lost and not realize anybody's there. Even though there is a gravel road that runs right beside the creek, basically. But I want to say there's thirteen or maybe fifteen campsites that there's are all up in through there. Several of them, and they're actually set up quite nicely. Yeah, it's one of the few that I know delayed harvest areas where there's actually some campsites just because of where it's located at yeah. here. Anyway, I'm sure there's others, but yeah. it's, it's far service, far service campground. Uh, no, no, uh, yes. National yes. forces, no, no, Halo. no electrical hookups. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Correct. It's all just, but that's nice. I mean, we need something like that over here. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Now the downside to that is poaching is a little easier. Yeah. So, 
You know, well, hard- I think that's why the Nantahala DH is so successful. The Rangers can just ride up and down. Yeah, and see they can kind of keep an eye on it really yeah. easily. Where this is, this is way out there in the middle of nowhere, and if you got you know your campsite right there, and you just throw the fish on the <laughs> on the campfire, you know who's to say if you caught it or if you brought yeah. it? You know, like it's it's kind of. I was fishing the hatchery supported section. That's right. I mean, there's no, so it's a, that, that may be the one downside to it out there, but man, it's beautiful. You got all three species there again, rainbows, browns, brooks. Um, it's like I said, it's very similar to the, to the Nanahala. It's got real deep pools just like that. I mean, there's some pools in there that I I think they're 15, 20 foot deep. Wow. They they are huge and deep. Agreed. Um, mm-hmm. but those fish, man, if you can get a long enough leader on them, they'll, yes. they'll eat uh, all the way at the bottom there. So, um, that's a great one. And then when we get into the, the wild section and stuff later on in some of these, this whole series, uh, that upper, upper section of big snowbird is incredible. There's waterfalls and stuff. If you hike in beautiful. So that'll be something that we'll touch on later. Amazing. Amazing. Big snowbird is an area that if you want to make a longer cast, some of those places you can and yeah. some of those holes you probably need to set deep holes so yeah it can be a little bit more technical as far as your presentation but uh yep. it is out there which is a good thing and a bad thing both but is you owe it to yourself if you're going to be here for a week yeah you, you need, need to, to put that day. on your list yeah take a lunch all that stuff with you you know plan to be out there all day because it just is a long drive um from my understanding and shannon you may know more about this than not but Snowbird, the, that area is where the Cherokee hit out when they were kind of being forced out and the Trail of Tears and all that, if you want to go look that history up. But that's kind of my understanding. That was like where they went and just said, we're going to hang out here because nobody ever comes here. And there's also on your way to Big Snowbird, as you get outside of Robbinsville, North Carolina, you will actually go through part of the land that belongs to the tribe. Yeah. So you will see on the trees over there about the uh, tribal permits, and there's also a few tribal offices over there. Not a lot, but the locals call it band land. So you will go uh, through some band land. Also, you're not too far removed uh, from like Joyce Kilmer um, and things like that over there too. So it's uh, just a, just a beautiful area. A lot of history, of course, there, and then also uh, I think they hit out in the Nanahala area as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah. two areas. So that's a cool one. You definitely need to go check that out and spend a day over there. Steve, you got to go. I got to go at some point and just hang out. And You'd enjoy just walking up some of the wild water and fishing a little bit, man. I've got some acquaintances that go to the upper end. They always take their backpacks and they say, go above the falls. Yeah. They're after the wild fish. We'll have to, when Alan gets that new Scott-centric, yeah, we'll have to, we'll go over there, <laughs> Alan. If you're listening, they're holding so, it for um, you. So, Alan, Stephen, Scott, centric. That's you know, it. On layaway. So the next one that's in our area, uh, we're just kind of working our way. We kind of went out, and now we're working our way back in. Um, Fires Creek, which this is one I've never been to. I've never fished Fires Creek. Um, Shannon has. Have you? No, that's over other side of Murphy. Uh, it's like north of Hayesville. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you go through Franklin from here. That's where a certain fugitive hung out, wasn't it? Hmm. Uh, he was all in that area. <laughs> he, it's it's in Clay County. Um, depending on where you're coming from, if you are going from our Bryson City location, you are going to be best served to go through the Nantahala River Gorge when you come into Murphy. Mm-hmm. Not too far where a certain fugitive was caught. You would take a left and head back toward Hayesville. You're going to cross back into Clay County, and you're going to take a left on the Fires Creek Road right beside a little uh, small uh, store, country store 
from Silva, you're going to go through Franklin, go across um, toward Hayesville, go across the Gap, which is beautiful, by the way. It's beautiful, especially in the fall. Yeah. Man, that November drive from here going to fish over there is great. Now, the one, it can be a, a negative or a positive, depending on how you look at it. The amount of time it takes for us to get to that location from Silva, I really believe that it keeps a lot of locals from going over there to fish that particular area. Yeah. Now, the negative is the proximity that it is to Tennessee and North Georgia. You're mostly going to see a lot of out-of-state tags over there. Your lower section is hatchery-supported. Then you get into the delayed harvest section. And the one unique thing about that delayed harvest section is that there are some block uh, uh, outhouses over there, male, female. There's picnic tables with also grills. Oh, really? And there's a paved path. And when you cross over that steel bridge, which is a footbridge, which is the start of your delayed harvest, the picnic tables are kind of spread out so you don't see each other. So it is real popular with the locals, with the kids and the families yeah, yeah, over yeah. there. So if you spent a day fishing over there, and, and I have with folks, you can take, if you want to cook, you can do that. So you have your food. You do have, especially for a lady somewhere, she can use the restroom. And that section is not going to be quite as big as the upper Nanahela Creek size-wise. Yeah, But it's very pretty. It's very beautiful. As you go further up the mountain, the the topography changes, which kind of changes the dynamic of the wading. But you're going to get all three species plus some wild fish in there. And it's one of my favorites. I got to say I've not been there in a year just kind of due to the pandemic. That was one that where myself and Andy would go fish together uh, quite a bit over there on, on some of the days yeah. that we would go fishing. That would be one of the locations we would go. And you can access it at the lower part. There, um, if you kind of go up a little bit midway, there's an access and what's unique is there's almost like a trail that goes along the side of the, the Creek itself, which makes going, you know, up to it a little bit easier also. But, uh, I, I definitely want you so should high fish. cotton over there, man. Grills, paved path, picnic tables. For, it's, for, yeah. It's, it's good to go. And when it go, and I will cautious you caution Everyone cautious, on this. Let me you. let me tell you this. Myself and my wife and Braden, who has got a birthday coming up. Happy birthday, Braden. I know he listens and watches. Um, he and I were over there fishing in that picnic area. It was still delayed to harvest. It was early May, late April, two years ago. However, there was a lot of folks over there that were not partaking in the legal practices of delayed harvest fishing. And it's probably if not the most marked delayed harvest fishery I've ever seen as far as as signage. Yes, especially that lower part. Um, So you have to kind of in that lower section be aware of of that because once again, you're just out there a bit, and I've not seen any law enforcement over there uh, at any time that I fished it. Uh, so just just understand that that maybe on the weekend when you've got some really nice weather, families are out, you might see a little bit of everything on that lower section. So just be made aware of that. It's like going to Wilson Creek, man. Never been there, but I, I could from your stories, I could <laughs> say that would be tubers similar. with the extra tube for the beer and the grill. Not and- not that not that no tubing or anything like that. But but it, there's no telling that uh, Braden that he's making a drift and he got, he he 
he sets the hook, you know, you know, my philosophy on setting the hook, he sets the hook, but basically he snags, you know, somebody's mono that's got three funky lures on it. So, you know, we end up finally, you know, pulling that out, of course. So you, you might come across a few things, but gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful area over there. Highly, yeah, it is. It's I do nice. recommend it. Um, so the last one on our list that, that, you know, some of our guides and stuff go to and enjoy and, um, a lot of our customers go to is West Fork of the Pigeon, um, up there. This is Shannon's kind of home water in a way. He grew up in that, not far from there. So he got to fish some of this stuff before it was DH water. Yes. Um, so the West Fork of the Pigeon, uh, is above Lake Logan on highway 215 and, uh, just outside of Waynesville, I guess would be the best way to describe it. It's south, it's south of Waynesville technically, right? Correct. Yeah. So um, you got all three species there too: rainbows, browns, brooks. Um, Steve, you fished this one, I assume. yeah, and rel- yeah. relatively easy access. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the roadside thing too. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, super easy there. Uh, it's really pretty. It's I think out of all the DHs we've mentioned today, it might have the clearest water. Mm-hmm. Like it is clear, mm-hmm. and the bottom's different, like the color of the rock. So. For me, at least, it always seems a little harder spotting some fish, just the way the rocks look. So that's always a challenge is to, like, kind of get your eyes adjusted to that because it's totally different than anything else we yeah. fish. Yeah. Now, you uh, you, you and uh, what, Alan and um, who Dave, else? David. David got over there and fished mm-hmm. that recently, correct? Yeah, yeah. You pointed us in that direction. We went over there, never had been there, you know, and uh, went up the road and saw the landmarks you mentioned, parked the car, got out, and... When you fish the Messer hole? Yeah. <laughs> right where Messer Branch comes in. They're everywhere. <laughs> and uh, caught fish as soon as we got out of the truck. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty little stretch. It's uh, the, What I've found is, <clears throat> excuse me, what I've found is, if again, if you stay in the river and just kind of walk up from the hot spots, you'd be amazed at some of the pockets and pools and stuff that you find in that river that probably hardly ever get fished because everybody goes to the parking lots and yeah the fish are spread out that was one thing that shocked me i I thought right there where they parked the truck you know but uh yeah no they were spread out yeah they they you know this year it was a little different because they the stocking wasn't as spread out as it used to be um so because usually they get the tu over there in catalucci to help them spread the fish a little more and this year i think the the first couple stockings, they just kind of got <laughs> what was easy, which, you know, nothing against I get it, man. When you don't have 20 people helping you, it changes the way you're going to do yeah. stuff, you know, yeah. for sure. But, uh, Shannon, what do you think about it since it's your, your somewhat home water? Well, I, I have to definitely echo what you gentlemen said about the natural beauty. That part of Haywood County is, is spectacular. I've always thought as you drive up, Right past where you get um, where you turn uh, on um, on Little East Fork, going up toward Camp Daniel Boone, as you start to make that incline and you hit those pine trees, and you crest over, and then you kind of see over to your right a little bit, you start to see the water of the lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think of something outside of a movie scene in some ways. That land used to belong to Champion Paper, Champion International Paper, and there is actually the remnants of an old airstrip up there. That if you know where to look, you'll actually see it. And they have those, um, I'll say cabins and things up there and where, um, you know, people would come and stay that worked at the mill or higher ups and, you know, executives, you could say. But you get, you cross over the lake and you, you start up the mountain and you're down below the Blue Ridge Parkway. Yeah, you're real close to it, really. You're right there at the National Forest. 
and it is it is really spectacular. Um, the stream itself, the stream bed is really wide. However, on a normal flow, the water does not encompass that whole stream bed, which makes it unique. When we get a lot of rain, that's one of the few places that you can still fish it because the water spreads out before it starts to rise up. Yeah. Okay. When that happens, the fish will also spread out, which makes, you know, an opportunity for you to fish that. It fishes, you need to fish it like a wild stream. Mm-hmm. Not only do you have hatchery supported fish, you have wild fish in there. You've got the middle prawn that comes into that watershed. You got the upper parts of that there as well. And it is an area that I just really enjoy fishing. We call it Sunburst. You have the Sunburst campground up there on the right-hand side down below the big public swim hole. And the shooting um, range. Don't think somebody's shooting at you. Correct. There is the shooting range up uh, up near the upper parking lot. And some people must be loading a lot because there's a lot of repetitive firing going on over there for whatever reason. A lot of folks will congregate around uh, Burnett Siding Church and the Steel Bridge. Um, there and work that hole. But like the others said, there are fish throughout that entire encampment up through there. So you need to explore and, you know, start fishing those pockets and seams. And if you play your cards right, yeah, and if you fish for your eyes for about 15 to 20 minutes or longer, you can identify sometimes some fish that are coming up and maybe sipping and in, and have a blast trying to get up on those fish and 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 land those fish. The bo- the rocks are large. And it's yeah, I've, I always every time I got that man, I'm like, I feel like all I've done is is walked on footballs and basketballs all day. Yes, <laughs> that <laughs> standpoint, like, that's what it's like. It's different. It really is, and I don't understand. You know, it certainly has to do with the with the Earth's construction and and that, and um. It is just such a neat area where you could be out there fishing, and I've been out there with guests and had a you know a bald eagle fly right over top of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it almost feels like you could reach up and t- grab it. It's that close to you. Yeah. I've had deer come up uh, toward us in the parking lot up through there. Um, so a very very neat area. In the summer months, it's it is an area that has some reptiles on it. Especially if you go further up the mountain, you'll come into some as well, some that rattle, and um, they they are there. Uh, so it is a fishery where the upper part is a hatchery supported, the lower part is a hatchery supported as well. But you run up into some wild stuff, and if you like to hike or anything like that, or if you have some, you like the fish, and your your significant other doesn't like the fish or anything like that. They could do some hiking up through there, too. That's not a problem. But if you continue up the road like you're headed back in toward Rosman, a little bonus here for you. If you, you're you on the backside, basically, of the Graveyard Fields area, you're going to crest over underneath the Blue Ridge Parkway Bridge. And as you start back down the backside, there's a big pull-off on your left. If you get out, you're looking back toward the Devil's Courthouse, which is on the Blue Ridge Parkway, and it's one heck of a view. So if you're there fishing – you just drive on up the road a couple more minutes to look at it. Those triple arch bridges are fantastic. It's just a real, real nice area. 20 minutes roughly outside uh, downtown Waynesville, yeah. which is convenient as far as food, beverage, things mm-hmm. like that as well. Like afterwards, if you wanted to have a nice meal, you could do so as well. So it's a nice area you should check yeah. out. It, it's, yeah. it's also, I think, when we get a lot of rain because we get this phone call of, 
you know, is what's fishable. Yeah, that place flushes a lot faster. And I think it's yes. the elevation change is so great. Yes. That that water, it goes up, but it comes down fast. Yes. Um, so always keep that in mind, too, is that's, that's a gr- great place to go fish after a rain. Absolutely. Because it's going to drop quick. Um, where the tuck's going to take sure. a day or whatever. Sure. Nanahala might take 12 mm-hmm. hours, right. something like that. Um, that'll that'll be the first one to clear. Now, the downside is it's close to Asheville. It does pick mm-hmm. up the Asheville crowd. So. And the one little tidbit, another tidbit I'll give you too, and you brought up the word weather, is that is your, obviously you've, you are fishing upstream. If you look to your right, if you look back up toward that mountain ridge line up through there, when that when that weather starts to roll in and it gets dark up there, you better be ready to to make a maneuver because it's coming. When it comes <laughs> in that when it comes in that direction, <laughs> just know that the weather is going to come in on you at some point. Now it may even rain at the top of the mountain and you can get a cloud burst down there and the water can start rising up on you. So that's the one thing I will caution you. If you see it getting real dark and windy on that one ridge line, yeah, you you need to be you know preparing your exit depending on where you're at fishing over there so you can get in some places that's you know the access is not as easy as it would be at the upper parking lot lower parking lot so if you're in those areas just be prepared to move Mm -hmm. just a little tidbit one thing that struck me about fishing that stream it's a relative relatively high altitude stream for for a dh yeah um in those fish the day we were there they were very selective uh there were three of us we got out and we split up me and david we struggled to catch fish alan was 300 yards downstream with an entirely different pattern and technique and was just hammering the fish. Because so, he had an expensive rod, I bet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shannon, Shannon hooked him up there. I, uh, I just hooked him up with a net for Christmas is all I did. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that, and, and to expound on the, the, the food aspect of the stream, uh, Pisca Inn is close by. Yeah, it's yes. not too far yes. up the parkway. So, yeah. you know, especially if you've got your uh, significant other with you and you want to go have a nice meal, beautiful place to sit down for a meal and look at mountaintops while you're yeah. dining. So, yes. yeah. yeah, it it is for sure. It's, it's seasonal, though, so make sure yeah. you're mm-hmm. And this year, I don't. did they even open it all, the Pisgahan? I don't know if yeah, they did. I, I, later, it was later in the yeah. season. Yeah. They did. When they kind of got the green light, they did yeah. They did open there um, as well. And so, so on on the topic of DHs, what is just real quick? We'll go through just a few of the hot flies that most people would kind of. Y'all want to ramble off some of your favorites? I'll go with Steve here. Well, ninety percent of the time I'm stripping streamers. Yeah, not because it's more effective, but I've got confidence in it and I can pick up some big fish. But uh, I'm hearing from people on the stream when I say, "Hey, what are they eating?" Everybody talks about Shannon's new fly, the IDK. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's been kind of secretive about it. And, uh, every I think t- there's a video. There's a video. Oh, it's, right? it's, it's every public. time I check the fly bin, it's empty. It is true. But apparently that fly is a pretty hot fly, the IDK. It is. It is. It's a, it is a good fly. It is. It's fun to fish. It's easy to fish. It's heavy. It gets down. It works a lot of places. Looks actually. good. It just works. Yeah. So, so what about you, Shannon? What's kind of a couple of flies that you? No, great, great question. Kind of your go-to. Uh, oh wow. I mean, I don't know about my go-to, but let me just kind of go over a few things uh, that definitely will you should keep uh, in your repertoire. Uh, you know, one of the flies that I think gets overlooked, especially on the Tuckasegee, is this what we call a deep six caddis. Uh, this is a size twelve, twelves and fourteens. This thing works really good over there. Scott McJunkin, uh, good guy, friend of ours there, 
Uh, I tie these things up for Scott all the time, but these things right here are very, very effective on the Tuckasegee uh, uh, River out here, as well as the IDKs, Rainbow Warriors. Of course, you know, a lot of folks are going to fish eggs and, and worms and things yeah. that, you know, mop flies and stuff like that. But but this is one that often gets overlooked. A brassy is another one that gets overlooked. You know, midges, they think, of zebra midges, and rightfully so, that's fine, but brassies can work exceptionally well. That, yeah. You know, right now, the flies that imitate the nymphs, I think, are, are more successful because the the newest trout in the river have been there since November. Yeah, yeah, so those, they've, they've naturalized. Fish, they've acclimated. Yeah, so, I mean, you can catch them on junk flies, but I think now, this time of year, you got to shift into a more natural pattern. I agree, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And uh, when you get into streamers, some of the ones that we sell a lot of, not necessarily the colors, but uh, but obviously the little dungeon right here, which is articulated, uh, that is a fly that can be very popular with people, whether it's olive, black, white, uh, kind of a natural color. All of those will produce fish for you, mm-hmm. and it, it's a really good bait fish imitation out there that we have. One of the most popular ones that if you don't have in your box you want to get is going to be a Sculptzilla. I showed that earlier. Olive, kind of a natural color, white and black are your core colors on that. We do have a lot of sculpins in that particular watershed as around the other ones as well. And uh, acrylics can be really good as well. And I think uh, Drifter told me one time this was like the uh, this was basically the DH version of a rooster tail or something like yeah. that. Was that how it was said? <laughs> that was told to me by Wes Buchanan. Okay. Yeah. We'll put Wes out there. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of folks are using it on a floating line, but if you – one of the things that you can add to your to your tackle that you might want to have is some kind of versa leader, such as this here from Rio that we stock in the shop. We have them in different lengths and different sink rates. So if you are fishing a uh, a fly or a streamer rather that you want to get down deeper, this would be a great option to where you're not having to maybe have a spare spool with you. Not everyone has a spare spool. That's where these guys can be very beneficial. Uh, for you out there, not only on the, on the Tuckasegee, but also in the Upper Nantahala. Everything we mention, all of these things will actually produce fish for you, depending on your technique. And keep in mind, uh, dry fly activity out there can be That's pretty good as mention. well. Yeah. And uh, The black caddis hatch. Yes. Uh, I'm actually working on a video right now of, of a caddis hatch on the tuck that like the oars are covered in caddis. Mm-hmm. So... I've seen it. I've seen it in February. The black caddis hatch, where it's like you feel like you're swallowing bugs. There's so many. So, um, you know, that's something to look for. It doesn't happen every year like that. They're there, but it's not epic like that. But some years it is. It's pretty incredible how many will come off. I'd certainly uh, echo that. I've had them crawl up in between my uh, lenses, yeah, and my cheeks, <laughs> and to the point where it's tickling. And it's, but it's impressive that there's that many bugs. Yeah. out there so keep that in the back of your mind some yeah. dry flies as well are in the time the time of year is kind of odd as well i know two weeks ago i was sitting on the deck and uh, saw all these bugs coming off the or coming through the air up by the porch and i thought they might have been flying ants and i finally captured one it was the gray stone flies yeah there you uh, go. just an awesome hatch uh, uh yeah it's, and, it's and there we were in the middle of january that's it i mean you just <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get out there especially on the tuck being it's a tailwater you know like the water temps are gonna fluctuate with with releases yeah. and and rain makes a huge factor too. Yeah, you know you bring up a good point i have a lot of people call me and say hey how's the fishing when i'm thinking about going to the park and and i try to discourage them from fishing wild streams in the winter time i mean you know yourself those freestone streams are just 
it can be brutal cold yeah yeah yeah. so your tail races the da the the tuck dh the upper and the lower that water's moderated a little more and Mm -hmm. personally my experience it's easier to catch a fish so if you just want to come up and catch fish in the winter time i would say go to the dhs here in town uh, uh, and then save the wild streams for april yeah and may unless we just have a warm spell yeah yeah, or something like absolutely. that because it is cold well like uh yeah. the i guess it was like whenever we had those thunderstorms the, yeah, the park water when, jumped up to 46 degrees it dropped it jumped up tremendously yeah, and now the this morning it had dropped down to 36 degrees in the valley and was continuing the drop which kind of leads me into kind of our guide tip and i talked about we do is going to be socks you know a good pair of socks um, you know, we have folks that show up for guide trips, even in the wintertime that don't have socks, <laughs> but you need a good pair of socks. And one of I can th- be guilty of that. You, know, you wear flip-flops a lot, <laughs> but, uh, you know, a good quality pair of socks, such as the Sim socks that we sell here, the Orvis socks, the heavyweight socks are a fantastic tool to have with you, which allows you to stay in these upper Nantahalas and these Tuckaseegee rivers and yeah. fires creeks and places of the world to enjoy fishing this time of the year because fishing in January and February can be really good. And we actually encourage it when we can, as long as you're geared up properly, you should have a, you know, a pretty good day out there or the potential to have a pretty yeah. good day. So, so guy tip of the week is certainly a socks. And, and, you know, we talked about a fishing report. All of the things we kind of pointed out here to you is a pretty good visual fishing report of what you should be using up here. Yeah, mm-hmm. Don't really know anymore. We could add or take away from that. No, no, I mean, it is it is what it is. Call us and we'll help you out, figure out the river or where to go, what's best. Like Steve said, depending on water temps and things like that, how stuff's working, you know, that that factors into where you should fish at what time of year and, and all that good stuff. So um hope this has been helpful for everybody. You know, there's a lot more DHs in, in the state that we'd like to go over, and then we'll probably jump into some hatchery-supported stuff, um, talk about some wild water that North Carolina has, and then – at some point too, we'll also do just the national park all by itself. Cause that's so much. And, uh, you know, we got great response from the fly fishing trail one. So that's the reason we're kind of dipping into this a little bit more so that people can kind of listen or hear and, and learn more about our area for the main part of, and, and where to go when you're here besides just Steve floating one section all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. It's like I tell everybody, I cannot catch fish floating in front of my house. I, just as good as I can hey, not catch you've fish. Got, you've got the camera now, man. You can be like, hey, it looks good. Let me go fishing. Right. I can just look at my – he doesn't even have to get out of his bed. Got the river cam. He can just look at the river cam <laughs> and know if it, if it looks good. Absolutely. So. And if you folks have any questions – do not hesitate to reach out to us at info at tuckflyshop.com or also, as Bobby mentioned, 1-828-488-3333. We had a lot of phone calls at the end of the week last week, Bobby, and um, from folks that had listened to the previous podcast and others and, and really thanking us. And I want to give a big thank you to those folks. Yeah. We, we do it for y'all. We, we have fun doing this, but it is for us to, to hopefully bring some entertainment but also be informative and help you to become a better angler, and when you come to the area, have a better time. So thank you, folks, for all the positive comments. The last week and a half has been overwhelming. And uh, speaking for myself and stuff there, thank you very much for that. And uh, we look forward to, to many more of those coming in. So Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, cool. As I always say, let's go eat. I think it's about <laughs> that time, guys. <laughs> Thank you.
That wraps up another exciting and informative episode of the TuckCast with a splash of bourbon presented by Tuckasichi Fly Shop and Guide Service located at 3 Depot Street, Bryson City, North Carolina and 530 West Main Street, Silva, North Carolina. Be sure to visit www.tuckflyshop.com for streamflow information, book a guided trip, or even shop for your favorite Tuckasichi Fly Shop gear. Follow the crew on Facebook at Tuckasichi Fly Shop, Instagram at Tuck Fly Shop, and on YouTube at Tuckasichi Fly Shop. If you have a question or comment, feel free to send those to info at tuckflyshop.com or give us a call 1-828-488-3333. For Coach Dell Diesel Collins, Bobby the Bearded Wonder Bennett, I'm Shannon, Big Mess Messer. We'll catch you next week. Be sure to catch a few fish out there, won't you? Y'all take care.